0: Hello and welcome to the Regular Features podcast. This is the podcast that's the same every single week. I'm John Blythe, your host, but I've got some other people here who also want to talk to you.
1: Hi, my name is Steve Hogarty, and I am one third of the hosting trifecta that's hosting your little lily ass tonight
2: (laughs) and i'm joe scrabbles with the sports i've got all the scores for you it's one nil to features two nil to the readers and three
0: nil to fun together we are regular features and if we don't entertain you tonight maybe you're dead
1: i uh have got a scoop on what a playstation 5 is and how it works and what little nostalgia trip it's about to take you on by the hand back through memory lane so hold on tight i've got all sorts of
2: problems to express about things that have changed in the world in the last few years and i plan to
0: set them straight and i'm going to take steve right down joe's dick i'm gandalf and i put a spell on you because you're mine the mines of moria that is <laughs> regular features
1: and outside of steve's regular feature steve's playstation 5 astro bot time guys guess what the new playstation got out they put it out Onto the shops, and now it's absolutely everywhere.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a chimp
0: in the zoo. I did one. Get into your house. (laughs) It's out. It's out.
1: It's out. You can't put it back when it's out. Shuhei Yoshida's on the
0: streets with a tranquilizer gun. Run around. Everyone's with butterfly nets everywhere, trying to bag themselves (laughs) a (laughs) PS (laughs) five.
1: Well, chance would be a fine thing. You can't get one for love nor money, Mm -mm. and. But luckily for you, I'm going to be able to give you a hands-on experience with the PlayStation 5 that I recorded uh, in my capacity as a professional games reviewer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let me just hit, hit play on this audio recording of how a new PlayStation starts up.
0: Hello, and welcome to your new PlayStation 5 console unit. My name is Baroness Karen Brady of The Apprentice and the House of Lords, but you can call me Lady Brady or Baron Karen. <laughs> I'm here to talk you through some of the new features of the PlayStation 5 video games console. When you're ready to continue, say, Lady Brady, this all sounds gravy, into your PlayStation 5 DualSense controller now. Lady Brady. Brady, this all sounds gravy. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you repeat what you just said about gravy? Lady Brady, this all sounds gravy. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you repeat what you just said about gravy? Lady Brady, this all sounds gravy. <laughs> well, why didn't you say so about the gravy? Let's get started. Hold on tight as we explore some of the crazy bastard things a PlayStation 5 can do. Hey-ho, who this? It looks like we've made a new friend on the PlayStation already.
1: Hi, I'm Astrobot, and welcome to my playroom. <coughs> <laughs> Why? Sorry, is Astrobot from the
2: start of a song by Scooter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Astrobot. Don't speak to me, I don't work like that. I'm here to make you remember all the things you know about a PlayStation from when you were a small boy. Here is a memory card, and over there is a tiny man from Kurushi, the 1997 block-based puzzle game from the PS1 demo disc, about a tiny businessman who gets crushed by metal cubes over and over again at the end of the universe.
2: Why is he crying?
1: He is crying because Jazz Rignall of IGN questioned Kurushi's value for money compared to G-Police, <laughs> which the Kurushi man felt was an entirely arbitrary comparison to make. Like, all right, in that case, why don't we just rate all games on a scale of how much like G-Police they are, with Kurushi at one end, and I don't know, fucking G-Police at the other. <laughs> See how far that gets everyone. I don't want to put a you know wedge in this feature, but is this
2: just going to turn into a big like, go at IGN, because <laughs> I, I accidentally did that last week, and i got gone up two weeks in a row.
1: <laughs> it's not. That was the last, that's the last reference to okay, IGN. Okay, fantastic. Okay, what's next? Shut up, I can't hear what you're saying. I can see your lips moving through the PlayStation camera, but I can't hear any words coming out. I assume you asked me what's next, but that's only because I'm a hyper-intelligent robot boy capable of predicting human speech. So don't think that just because I'm about to show you this next thing in my Astrobot playroom that I can even hear you, because I can't. Okay, sorry. I assume you just said, please show (laughs) me a spinning 3D model of Baron Dante from Croc 2, except using PlayStation 5 ray tracing. So fine, here you go. I bet you never thought you'd see Baron Dante rendered with this degree of visual fidelity, did you? If you could go back to 1999 and show this baron Dante to your 12-year-old self, he would jizz his pants. And you'd be standing alone in a room with a 12-year-old boy whose pants are full of jizz, trying to explain to the police that you've come from the future to show him graphics. And the sergeant would try to make you prove you're a time traveller by asking how many croc games there are in 2020. And you'd have to say... There are still only two. And the sergeant would say, well, that proves you're a liar because how could they stop making Croc games after Croc 2, which was critically well-received and sold millions of units? And you just have to shrug and say, yeah, I can't argue with that. You're absolutely right. And hold out your hands so they can handcuff you and send you to prison. And then in the back of the police car, you'd remember there was also a Croc game on the Game Boy Color that came out in 2000. But by then, it would be too late for you. (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) Have a couple of Dantinis, too. Here's one billion simulated Dantinis washing over Baron Dante like scalding hot soup. Now, Croc himself is here, and he's doing the famous dance he does whenever he rescues a gobbo.
0: Except now it's in 4K. Lady Brady, I'm done here. Of course. To turn off your PlayStation 5, gently squeeze both DualSense triggers to push your thumbs through the soft spot on top of my skull.
2: God, I can feel everything. It's like I'm breaking into an easter egg, except it's an easter egg full of mashed
0: potatoes. That's the incredible power of DualSense. Enjoy the feeling of my brain on your thumbs while you can, because apart from a handful of first-party games, no one will ever make use of this technology again. Good night and good gravy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that nails the inflection on the good gravy.
0: <laughs> I tried to remember how I did it, thinking, oh fuck, I made a joke of saying gravy earlier. It's the it perfect exactly, final word. <laughs> it sounds
2: exactly like Baron Karen Lady Brady.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow, what a nostalgia trip. Uh, the PlayStation 5 is. Yeah. What a little mind-smearing, time-travelling adventure it sends you on. It's almost like it's got no games. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, that's not right. You need to press jump and forward together for me to clear the gap. Run back to the start and try again. Hi, I'm the monolith from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I've got a bone to pick with you. Why aren't you listening to the Regular Features Podcast?
2: I was genuinely really sad to hear that you've given up on uh, Steve Central Time. Because I know I've already said this privately, but I genuinely found it weirdly inspiring that you bothered to do it.
1: (laughs) One man standing alone against the tyranny of daylight savings. Mm. Yeah, an update on Steve Central Time which was my feature from 3 episodes, 4 episodes ago. Mm. Oh, that's when I wasn't here, yes. I refused to turn my, put my clocks back for the winter so I could keep hold of the extra hour and parade it around and one in the bank. <laughs> when you say
2: my clocks, you mean your watch, your phone and the oven because Reese couldn't work <laughs> out how to change the oven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the oven was a, a sort of a neutral, a neutral ground that we had to share. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I relinquished. I, 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 I went back onto Rube time with all the rest of the f- idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get jet lag? Basically, I was in a, I was in a bad mood. I was thinking I was cranky about something, and it's really hard to keep up a joke like being on a different time zone when you're cranky. And I, I looked at my looked at my clock on my phone, and I was in a bad mood. And I was like, "Fucking idiot! Why are you on a stupid time zone for yourself? You big moron!"
2: <laughs> I thought you meant you were going to like look at your phone and scream, liar.
1: <laughs> so it's time you bloody grew up, Steve. This is a ridiculous thing to do. <laughs> then I changed it back, and uh, I spent the extra hour. Uh, looking at Twitter on my phone, and then
0: felt normal. And then uh, that was it. It was the lost hour of Twitter scrolling that was making you yeah. cranky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um,
1: slight pang of regret, but i I do now see. I I listed the benefits of being on Steve Central Time in that episode, and I framed GMT as being nothing but downsides. But I do think that. Having darker evenings in the winter does have a couple of upsides. Go on, mm-hmm. where you can chase after people <laughs> <laughs> and they can't see who you are. That's one. It's also just night. Nice. It feels cosy when it's dark. So you're saying Robin and fucking.
0: That's the two. That's the two sides. That's me. Until
1: when is it? When do they go back forwards? February, March.
0: Yeah. I pro. I was just trying to add six months to last month, and it came out with bad pronunciation. <laughs> it sounded like I was being sarcastic, but I wasn't. I was just not sure.
1: I also learned that it's not six months on, six months off with the clocks. It's five months on GMT and seven months on BST. You spend more time so. in the fake one. GMT is like the real one, isn't it? That's the one that... That they built observatories about.
2: Yeah. That's what? Who was that? Daniel Day Lewis? He's the one who did it first. (laughs) Daniel Day Lewis is GMT, and they're mugging him (laughs) off with five months of the year. And he died for that. He fell in a clock.
1: Was Daniel Day-Lewis in a film about clocks?
2: No, I just couldn't remember anyone who was... I think I was thinking of
0: Alexander Graham Bell
2: <laughs> and his phones.
0: I thought you just... You don't have anything to say, so you just default to Hudsucker Proxy, and
1: that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it is time for the next regular feature.
2: Steve, am I right in thinking that you've listened to the Blind Boy podcast?
1: Uh, you'd be entirely incorrect, I'm afraid. I'm oh. not aware of the Blind Boy podcast. You could have asked me <laughs> that
0: and got the same response, Joe, but thanks for singling me out. Well, the opposite of a, that. Singling me in, because I wasn't out. <laughs> a, because Steve is
2: Irish, and I just assume they all know one another, and B, uh, you have mentioned Blind Boy to me before, and I assumed that you had some familiarity with his work.
0: He was just Am laughing
2: I- at a blind boy.
0: <laughs> he just
2: he sent me a WhatsApp message saying that blind boy is absolutely brilliant. The blind boy podcast to explain to I was get this is all redundant because I was going to explain it to the readers just in case they didn't get the very tenuous connection to the podcast that's going to form the foundation of this picture. Mm-hmm. Is a is essentially a podcast in which uh, a very opinionated. And very interesting and well-reasoned Irish man essentially just sort of moans about the world for an hour by himself in a room. Um, and he's very good. He's very smart. He's got all sorts of opinions. But I am struck by the fact that all he has to do is sit there and start by referencing something that's bad that he thinks is bad, then introducing some journalistic sort of nouse and then finish by expanding that to how the entire world is bad because of the thing that he has pointed out.
1: No, I'd forgotten that we had discussed discussed Blind Boy, Mm. his appearance on Adam Buxton's podcast. That was it. So you just Um, listened
2: to that out of just cursory interest for why he was talking to a blind boy.
1: (laughs) I know of Blind Boy's work from... The, uh, the dirty bag-on-the-head bandit boys with the horse outside. That's <laughs> them, yeah. The famous, the famous song. Well, he's got he a podcast a... now and it's furious. <laughs> Can you hear the crinkling of the bag that he wears, the carrier bag that he wears on his face? I've,
2: I've listened out for it and I can't hear it, genuinely. Mm. Log, you look confused. He wears a bag on his head mm. or at all times as a mask. Is that how he affects blindness? I guess, but there are <laughs> holes cut in it for his eyes. So, yeah. okay. Well, I don't even know, really. That podcast's is interesting cuz he it turns out he's got 10,000 bags in his attic that he uses every time, which is just wild in case.
1: Um, but I pointed out his appearance on the Adam Buxton podcast because it struck me when um a blind boy gave uh, a very erudite talking through the basics of uh, postmodernist art and Adam Buxton replied by saying, "Wow, well done for memorising all that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you're going to be
2: impressed when, that I've memorised all of this. So here we here go. Here go. Right. My essay. We do not see enough flying kicks anymore. You remember flying kicks. I don't mean drop kicks, where a big man jumps straight up and sticks his legs out like a big muscle pencil and hopes someone runs into his feet. Not drop kicks, I'm talking classic flying kicks. One leg outstretched, other tucked beneath the torso, travelling laterally to the ground like it's being carried by strings, arms held in what can only be described as karate position, and the head on the torso is probably going, Yeah! The kind of (laughs) flying kick that you'd see Jackie Chan do. The kind of flying kick a racist Danger Mouse villain would do. A good old, jolly old flying kick from the 90s when i was a kid you couldn't move for flying kicks people doing flying kicks down the high street opening doors with flying kicks flying kicking grandma at christmas for a laugh and no one's filming it it's not going on vimeo it's just you and grandma and dad who just have to remember that flying kick with just the memories good memories good british flying kicks where did they go "'I suppose people think they're uncool now, do they?' Probably the born ultimatum that did it. Oh, you can't have flying kicks anymore now that the camera shakes whenever anyone does anything in a film. Oh no, we can't have flying kicks because cameramen would have to shake so much and for so long that they'd rattle their arms out of their sockets, like trying to get batteries out of a Game Boy. And then we sued <laughs> by the unions. No flying kicks anymore. Sorry, it's pathetic. It's unmanly. It's un. Wise, it's unbelievable that we got rid of flying kicks for some reason and no one even voted on it. Sidebar, let's talk about Flying Ant Day. You know that one <laughs> day a year where all the ants grow wings and just fucking pelt around the skies? The Society of Biology surmises that this is a day that young ant queens zoom off, grab a couple of boy toys and start up a big new ant hole full of fucking... Wrong! I spoke to an ant drone who didn't want to be named in this report for fear of losing his job, and he told me that Flying Ant Day is a yearly, daily protest against society's recent ignorance of flying kicks. (laughs) He said, if you're walking around and a flying ant lands on you, what is that? That's you receiving six separate, simultaneous flying kicks. It doesn't hurt you, but we're doing it. It's a violent protest, (laughs) you just don't get hurt. It's actually pretty smart from us, TBH. Flying kicks forever. But, back to the matter at the hand, where are my kicks in the sky? Where are the floating men and women who merely want to do a violence with a high foot? Where can we find such joy again in this modern world where corporations set in glass obelisks upon the strand of London can so gleefully obliterate the notion of a flying kick, a soaring majestic movement that shows our freedom and our strength? In many ways, a flying kick is Britain and its target, the very fabric of a society that cannot abide such glorious manoeuvres. Who is a flying kick? Where is a flying kick? When will flying kick come back to home to me and come to bed and not leave again until it must do its duty in the sky? My flying kick, I love you flying kick. Suck it, blind boy. I'm famous now.
0: That ended on a really positive note. <laughs> oh, shit. I fucked it up at the end. I wanted a flying kick to bust open the door behind you.
1: You're not throwing regular features into a single syllable. I do I actually just genuinely
2: miss flying kicks. I feel like it's been ages since I've seen a flying kick. That's
0: real. Yeah, yeah I mean, like... Roundhouse kicks were the first exotic kick that I became aware of. And that's only because mm. it was back and fire on a Kempston Competition Pro on Way of the Exploding Fist. It was the most complicated kick you could do. It was the hardest one to land. And I thought, therefore, that it was the most important kick there was.
2: Log, do you want to hear something? Listen to this. Can you hear that? That's, yeah, I can... if you can hear it, the sound yeah. of my jaw still clicking twice every time i open it due to a friend's roundhouse kick on a trampoline that's uh, an important kick i must say and i can't okay just do
0: that. fair play okay but, i thought you were just knocking on the table no that's my face my
2: actual inside of my head does that all day every
0: day so do it again but hold yeah, your hands up in view uh, oh
2: fuck you're not kidding that's real every day all day clicking because of a roundhouse kick. That's why I didn't do it about roundhouse kicks because they can get to fuck.
0: And now I suppose it's time for my regular feature, but um, how have you two been coping with a second lockdown, eh? Just I mean, roly-polies. Yeah. Ro- roly-polies. Yeah. Have you no. been doing anything like dancing, Steve or anything like that? I've learned to do a backflip. Good. It's not a high kick, I hope. Don't to, <laughs> not a don't high do, kick, We You don't no. do any callbacks. Um, <laughs> this was to be... Sorry,
2: my whole thing was about flying kicks, not high kicks. You didn't even get the callback
0: right. <laughs> um, what's the highest kick? Flying. A roundhouse kick. <laughs> 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 Quack. Yeah, it just feels different for me this time because I mean, you know how in like the first lockdown everyone said they'd do something worthwhile like, fucking, I don't know, teaching themselves the trumpet or the flute. <laughs> and everyone thought we were all just telling each other we'd do that just because we were being aspirational. Mm-hmm. But against all odds, we all really stuck to it. Mm. And by the end, we'd actually kind of become a nation of grade three trumpet and flute players and you know like how it's human nature once you've got two groups that you consider yourself part of an in group and then you identify an out group and kind of nationally do you remember that we segregated into team trumpet and team flute Mm. Mm. and do you remember I mean you you probably do but you remember that team Chu- team trumpet used to just gatecrash team flute zoom meetings and they'd sit there quietly for a couple of minutes before producing a trumpet unmuting and giving a big rude honk that yeah. just scared the flautists out of their little boxes
2: <laughs> oh, i feel weirdly nostalgic for that now though
0: it's mad isn't it and then but then do you remember when um, team flute retaliated by walking through a birmingham no flute zone uh, playing a haunting melody that bewitched the firstborn children of staunch trumpet households and um led them all into a river where they drowned yeah can remember that yeah mm.
1: the river that was-, be, that was news
0: for all but half a day <laughs> but yeah and then team trumpet just went online and said that's fuck, that's an absolutely fucked overreaction we didn't know flutes could do that or we've got a big cheeky honks we thought it was a bit of fun and then, I don't know if you remember this, but Team Flute had a moment of crippling guilt before they collectively, and without ever speaking it out loud, decided that the only way they could live with their crimes was to finish the job. So they fashioned a flute the length of a swimming pool out of obsidian and lowered it on helicopters into a hurricane. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. And yeah. You, I mean, and do you remember that nature's immaculate embouchure <laughs> generated... Generated. That's that is computer generation for you. It, it, <laughs> you procedurally generated a new word, <laughs> and that immaculate embouchure generated such a colossal sonorous flute hoot that every member of Team Trumpet held hands and walked with blank eyes into the hurricane and twisted into the sky in a double helix that perfectly rem- that perfectly resembled DNA. And for a while there was peace. And Team Flute never spoke of what happened. But then came the endless rain. Rain that contained the genetic code of Team Trumpet. And the ground became thick with unseen humanity. And the mud boiled and bubbled until it was struck by lightning. And Team Trumpet arose as clay golems, (laughs) immune to the charms of the flute. And they massacred everyone on earth for their long-forgotten crimes. And then lockdown ended, and we all felt really sheepish, and we pretended it never happened. And to prefer, and, and then to preserve our sanity and like self image as humans, we we forced ourselves to forget. Remember that? Yeah. No. Oh yeah, well, wait, I was no. Di- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was determined not to make the same mistake this lockdown. So instead, I decided to take a miniaturizing machine and fly into Joe's dick. And I want you, Steve, to join me on my inches long adventure to the center of Joe's ball bag. What? So, buckle up and strap on for my going- all new science adventure into what? Joe's glistening prepuce. What's yes. going on?
1: Strap it, Joe. Shut Go up, on, baby. <laughs>
2: Shut up! What difference is that going to make?
1: <laughs> keep your mouth shut.
2: What well, anything you say it helps. Because <laughs> if you keep that one shut, the little lips down below open more.
0: <laughs> anything little you lips. say now has to be magnified and lowered in tone, so it sounds like a booming giant. Because you're five thousand times the size of us, Joe. <laughs> Initiating go-tiny protocols. Ensign, engage the matter regulators.
1: Matter regulators engorged, Captain. I'm sorry, did you just say engorged? Sorry, I guess I'm just getting excited about our mission. Our mission of going down Joe's
0: bangwang. Ensign, this is a scientific journey to the center of Joe's balls to find out what color his spunk is. Please don't use unscientific phrases like bang-wang-frot-spot or hump-stump.
1: Well, how about Caxpeer or anus-bane? Well,
0: maybe maybe if you made them sound a bit more Latin, like cack or anus-banus.
1: <laughs> Captain, we're really tiny now. I'm checking the instruments and we're tiny enough to fly up or down a Joe's dick, depending on which way it's pointing.
0: Excellent. Set thrusters to point away from Joe's dick. What? But... Causing us to fly towards it. Aha,
1: of course. We travel in the opposite direction to the one we point our thrusters in.
0: That's some good science, Captain. Well, you don't get to sit in this, the captain's chair, without picking up a few tricks, Ensign. I know this is just us getting
1: closer to it, but I'm very excited about the scientific implications of Joe's dick appearing to get bigger in our window, and coming straight towards my face.
0: It certainly is a sight. That damp maroon bulb nudging out of that soggy corona of roomy foreskin meat. Scientifically accurate. (laughs) It's like a profile shot of Droopy the dog. I'm getting... Some erratic readings from the sensors what are on the outside of our ship.
1: Noted, Captain. I'm plotting a dotted line that represents our course. But that's identical to... Yes, it's identical to the dotted line of spunk that a child would draw coming out of a deck.
0: But our course is taking us...
1: Yes, our course is taking us directly into Joe's dick, so the two dotted
0: lines are essentially the same dotted line. It's too dangerous, Ensign. I'm getting readings of extreme agitation and that glistening. That's not sweat. This is a research vessel. We're not equipped for conduct. We're not equipped for combat. Sorry, again. (laughs) This is a research this is a research vessel. vessel. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing too much. You fucking... You love everything
2: about the fact that you've talked <laughs> about the dotted line of spunk from a penis.
0: Yes! And I've made it into science. I've never done that before. It's really good. <laughs> this is a research vessel. We're not equipped for combat. Set thrusters towards the penis so we go away from it. <laughs>
1: We're too close. We might violate the Prime Directive and singe those precious, silky pubes.
0: Override Captain Blythe. authorization code 0000. Set thrusters towards the penis so we go away from it. If you
2: could just do us a favor and imagine some dramatic sound effects here, that'd save Steve a lot of time in the edit.
0: Ensign, please engage the engorge protocols. Ensign. Where the hell are you?
1: I wasn't gonna miss the chance to get into that beautiful dick, so I stole the last of the fuel and put it into this spacesuit with a big fuel tank on it. Oh
0: no, now I don't have enough fuel to thrust away.
1: I'm just landing on the bell, and it's so dense and meaty, I can walk on it like Super Mario Galaxy.
0: <laughs> I'll have you hauled before every miniaturization ethics
1: committee in the land for this. Oh, it's ever so warm and cozy. I could just have a nap right now using the wrinkly top of the foreskin as a blanket and it'd be the nicest feeling in the world.
0: Hello, readers. About three episodes ago, I wrote a feature in which I ended up reusing the story of my only wet dream. You know, the dream where I was in a shrinking space cube with Tommy Boyd from the Wide Awake Club. And now I've written a script where I've ended up making Steve relive one of my earliest fantasies of sleeping inside a giant's dick, while I'm forced to watch. If you're a psychoanalyst and you have any insight into how this might reflect on my current mental state, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. Hi there, I'm back. Was it... was it nice in there?
1: Do you want me to be honest? Yes. I have never felt so safe and loved. Right. And you know what? Judging from the amount of jizz all over me, I think he liked it too. Yep, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. Well,
0: at least we know what colour his spunk is now. <laughs> yes, it's red. That's great. Thanks. I'll write that down in my science journal. Mission accomplished. Great. Let's go big again. Cool, then. Going big now. Yes, yes, it is cool. Okay, okay. We're, bi-
1: we're big again.
2: Oh, hey, guys. I didn't see you come in. What's going on? Ask him.
0: I'm going home.
1: Milk me, and then just hold me, because my
0: name is Juicy Susan.
1: I went American because only Americans can fly tiny spaceships <laughs> it. I,
2: I love that that changed the second line you had to say it so you did matter regulators engorged captain in whatever accent you wanted and then as soon as it became clear that it's like oh no well I've got to say bang wang it's gotta be an American accent <laughs>
1: Wonderful. And I mean wonderful, literally. That filled me with wonder. It's like a Jules Verne novel.
2: Who did the giant dick in your wet dream? No, your fantasy. um, Was it
0: attached to a real person? No, it was just a generic giant. It was the idea of just a fantasy giant. Well, I never saw I his say? face. I was too busy fucking smushing my face into his meters. I am honoured to be your giant. <laughs> and that is two birds with one stones, because it does mean that I've now made Gav have sex with Steve, and now you've had sex with Steve.
2: In so there's ma- only Matt left. In a manner of speaking, <laughs> <This> is- Yes. <laughs> I've, like I've how... had him sleep under my foreskin and jizzed on him, which <laughs> yeah. honestly, in a different version of Star Trek, he would have almost drowned in it, you would have saved him. It could have been really different, but I like that it just sort of happened off screen. He came back, he loved it. It was great.
1: There'd be a touching funeral scene on a on a holodeck hill by a graveside oh, where everyone have... talks about how
0: nice I am. My red how...
2: spunk would have made him an actual red shirt. That would Absolutely. have been perfect
0: we'd be talking, whispering, disrespectfully during the eulogy, saying, did you analyse that red spunk? But saying it so loud that everyone could hear and was touching. What was the results of the analysis? While
1: while data is trying to say he finally understands human emotions, like, what was the analysis of the red spunk, by the way? Can I just say,
2: because I know it will happen, I'm really glad, you know, that we're doing this as a remote recording because it does mean that Steve will and can isolate the bit where he says very quietly in the background, "I didn't like that it was red." Spike. <laughs> 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 I'm really looking forward to that appearing either at the end of this feature or after the closing music because it yeah. will be one
0: of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're you're my behind all time. Regular features. Regular features. Regular features. Oh! I've forgotten about B names.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this week's episode of the Regular Features Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out by donating. An amount of your choosing per episode. It's how we have kept doing this bloody podcast for 421 effing, if you'll excuse my French, episodes. Frenching episodes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to honor some of the, our newest readers who've come aboard the Patreon parade.
0: Oh, fantastic. With
1: an honorific. Could you please give them B names? James Tease. No way.
2: No way.
1: That is
0: low-hanging fruit. <laughs> do it. Grab that low-hanging fruit. Mm. Bames tees. Yep, yep. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Ollie Norman.
2: What else do bees have?
0: Stripes. Stripes. Ollie Normany being around <laughs> <laughs> yep. Carry on. Ollie normally no, being around. I wouldn't I would normally be saying this, but have you got any honey? Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, <laughs> uh, so just to be clear, Ollie normally not be saying this, but have you got any
0: honey? Yeah. Okay. Perfect.
2: Absolutely perfect.
0: Uh, Richard Moran. I'm spent. I've no, I've literally stung and I'm dying. <laughs>
1: Oh,
2: I thought that was the name you were.
1: No. <laughs> no, I like it. I'm stung and I'm dying.
2: Yeah, I'm stung and I'm <laughs> dying. Good. Richard, Richard Moran, Moran, that's your B name. <laughs> I'm stung and I'm dying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Richard. Thank you for your support. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Regular Features Podcast. Good night.
0: Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh,
2: I love that we enjoy that bit so much. And <laughs> surely no one else
0: does. Mm,
1: I didn't like that it was red spunk.